Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Good afternoon, Stevens Creek. How you feeling? Oh, yeah. Y'all awake. Y'all live. Awesome. It is so good to be in church this afternoon and just to see all of your faces. I'm glad you made it into the house of the Lord. And those of you who uh, house of the Lord happens to be your physical house watching us online, we're so glad that you joined us. However you decide to be a part of the creek, there's a place for you and we're glad you are here. Like Pastor JT said, we've been in this series called Jesus is the Answer. And we're going to talk about how Jesus really is the hope of the world, but how do we keep hope alive? I want to talk to you for a few moments on keeping hope alive. So if you have your Bibles, go with me to Luke chapter 24, starting at the first verse, Luke chapter 24, and it reads, but very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in but didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who's alive? Another version says, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. You know, the story is juicy when they said what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary, the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. I want to talk to you for a few moments about keeping hope alive. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to share your word. I pray that you would give us ears to hear and hearts to receive what you would say. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. A few years ago, um, there was a S-4 or a submarine that was rammed by a ship and began to sink, trapping all the crew inside, and they had just a few hours to spare. This submarine that was rammed by a ship began to sink swiftly, and in the midst of that, the community rallied together for a frantic rescue mission. They were doing everything that they could to try to rescue these crew men and women from their ultimate demise, this uh, difficult situation, and they were doing everything they could. Later on in that same evening, 
evening, there was a diver who was down there uh, at the submarine trying to figure out a way to let them out, to let find a way to set them free. And he heard this tapping. He heard this tapping. And so he took his helmet and put it to the side of the submarine and realized that the tapping had purpose and it was Morse code. So he stayed glued there to the side of the submarine and began to uh, figure out what the Morse code, what the person on the inside was trying to communicate. And he began to spell out in his head the message that was being tapped from the inside. And it was the same refrain over and over again. Is there any I think it's a pertinent question to the dilemma we face today in our society, the question of, is there any hope? If you watch the news at all, if you scroll through Instagram, Facebook, or watch half of a TikTok video, you will be asking the question, is there any hope? Is there any hope for this world today? Is there any hope for what is going on in our country? Is there any hope? Can I believe for a better day? Is there any hope that I'll still see sunshine even though the clouds are gray? Is there any hope for me to dream again? We are asking the question, is there any hope? Some of you have not said it audibly, but if you are honest about where you are behind your uh, silent tears and your plastic smile, there is worried eyes and a burdened soul who is asking, is there any hope? Is there any hope for my marriage? Is there any hope that things will go back to normal? Is there any hope? And the simple answer to your complex question this morning is yes. There is still reason to hope. And that reason is Jesus. He's the one that turned the world upside down. He has a way of bringing beauty out of ashes. He has a way of transforming situations for his glory and his honor. And most of the time, all he has to do is speak to us situation. He speaks peace in the midst of our storms. He speaks healing in the midst of our wounds, and he speaks hope in the midst of our despair. Hope has a name, and that name is Jesus. Yes, you can still dream again. Yes, you can still believe again, because there's a God who sits high and looks low, and he has something in store for us, and because Jesus is alive, we can have hope for today. There, uh, the biblical characters that we are introduced to in our text this morning knew all too well about the questions of hope. We are introduced to Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary, the mother of James. These three different women we're introduced to. Mary Magdalene, if you will permit me to give you a little bit of background on these women. Mary Magdalene was a Catholic priest's worst nightmare. She was struggling with being possessed by demons. And y'all, this is not some exorcist situation. It wasn't just one demon, two demons, three demons. It was seven demons. The holy water wasn't working on Mary Magdalene. She was struggling and wrestling with this oppression and frustrated with where she was in her life. And I can imagine she was asking this question, is there any hope for me to be free? Is there any hope for me to be delivered from this bondage? 
bondage, delivered from this oppression. And in the midst of her difficulty, in the midst of her sorrow and pain and frustration, she encounters Jesus. And one moment with Jesus, she goes from being oppressed to being freed and delivered. One word from the master radically changes her life and she is changed for the better and begins to walk and follow Jesus. Joanna, on the other hand, her story is a little different. If Joanna, I am of the firm belief that Joanna would have starred on the Real Housewives of the Real Housewives of Galilee, that Joanna would have been a shining star on the Real Housewives of Galilee. She was married to a uh, King Herod's um, King Herod's accountant, meaning that she had everything that she ever wanted when it came to money, anything she ever desired in the realm of money, all that she ever wanted, everything that money could buy was at her fingertips. But yet, although she was in this place of wealth and prosperity, she was still searching and asking the question, is there any hope? In a society that she was limited to just being somebody's wife, in a society that it looked like she couldn't do anything else than just be her husband's wife, she was asking the question, is there more to my story? Is there hope for me to make a difference? Is there hope for me to have a purpose and in the midst of her mundane existence Jesus shows up and her life is radically changed Luke chapter 8 and verse 2 tells us that she is one of the first benefactors that she realized the light bulb goes off that she wasn't just blessed to be blessed but God blessed her to be a blessing and she her generosity fueled the ministry that Jesus and the disciples had and because she was generous they were able to do ministry that impacted not only their country, but ultimately the entire world. You see, her generosity had a ripple effect. It's one of the reasons why we are so grateful that we have such a generous church. It's your generosity that makes ministry happen here. And it's your generosity. If you are willing to partner with us, we are partnering with uh, uh, relief funds in Texas and Louisiana. And you may never meet them, but your generosity is going to make ministry happen in places that you may never visit. And so Joanna has this opportunity and it radically changes her life. She finds meaning and purpose for her life and begins to become a follower of Jesus. Mary, the mother of James, doesn't tell us too much about her story, but if you've ever had kids who uh, had walked the wrong way and they encounter somebody that mentors them and helps them walk the right way, you understand whatever you're doing, I'm willing to follow. Mary, the mother of James, finds her son transformed by Jesus and he becomes one of the apostles and she follows Jesus. These three distinct women coming from three different places are doing life together. This is why we stress small groups so much at our church is because it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter your story. There are people here that you can do life with. And when you do life with others, it makes your life more impactful. These three women had found hope in Jesus. They had found the rescue of their soul. These three women, their hope was sparked by Jesus. Here's the first lesson that we learn from these women is that real hope is sparked by an encounter with Jesus. 
Although they came from different places, had different things going on in their world, the one thing they had in common was an encounter with Jesus, and that radically changed their life, and hope was sparked. And they were hopeful for a while and for a season. They saw so many things on the horizon. They believed for big and great things and wonderful things. But then the darkest day of their lives arrived. On a Friday, they saw their Jesus, their Savior, the one who initiated and propelled them into a new destiny, was hanging on a cross in between two thieves, bleeding and dying. This same Jesus, who had radically changed their world, said, into my hands I commit my spirit to his father, hung his head, and he died. Can you imagine how heartbroken they were? Can you imagine how difficult that moment was for them? Here's the second truth of their story is that life circumstances can sometimes deflate our hope. They saw all of their hopes and dreams being dashed away. The hope that was bubbled up began to dissipate. And in this moment, they could have leaned into despair. But I want to show you in our text four reasons. And some of you in this room, some of you watching online are wanting to lean into the despair of the moment. But I've come to Augusta to tell you that there is still reason to hope that in the midst of the chaos that God is bringing clarity, that there is good news on the horizon. And the good news is that Jesus is still in charge, that he still reigns, that he is still in control and nothing is greater than our God. God. Here's four things that I want to show you. If we're going to keep hope alive, if we're going to be people of hope, four things that I believe happens in this story that these women do that it it radically changes their world. Here's the first thing is that if we're going to keep hope alive, we've got to stay committed. Stay committed. Notice what happens in the text. These women saw their Savior bleed and die. They saw their hope evaporate right before their eyes. But early on Sunday morning, two days after seeing him die, they get up and begin to go towards the tomb to put spices on his body, to anoint his body. You see, they stayed committed to Jesus even in the darkest of circumstances. They stayed committed to what God had called them to, even though the the future prospects look bleak. And if we're going to be people who keep hope alive, we've got to be willing to stay committed even when things don't look too bright. we got to be willing to stay faithful even when it looks like things are aren't going to work out. And here's the truth of the matter, that if we are faithful to stay committed to what God has called us to, we open up the doors to see God's miracles. If we are faithful to stay committed to what we're called to do, we create opportunities for us to see God's miracles. And and if I pause in the text, I don't want you to race to the resurrection because that's not the first miracle of the text. Uh, Mark 16 and 3 gives us a little more insight into what happens. It says the women were headed there early in the morning and they were saying to themselves, who is going to roll away the stone? You know, Mary, you've seen my muscles. I I can't move the stone. 
Joanna, I know you've been going to CrossFit and stuff, but that's not going to help us move the stone. Who is going to move the stone? And see, the reality is, is while you are trying to figure it out, God has already worked it out. And what we do sometimes, if we, if we are willing to stay committed and walk through the adversity, walk through the obstacle, we will see God's favor and his miracles in our lives in ways we could never imagine. They get to the tomb and what they were worried about, God had already made a way for them. And there are some of you in this room right now, you are hesitating and pausing on your commitment to destiny because it looks too difficult. You anticipate the obstacle, so you are trying to go a different route. And I just want to remind you, if you are willing to stay faithful to what you can do, God will do the impossible. If you will stay faithful to what he has called you to, if you will stay committed to that, you will see God move in your life like you've never seen him before. We got to stay committed. We got to stay faithful to this. And this is what these women do. No, it doesn't look pretty. No, it doesn't look like it's going to work out. And if there looks like a real legitimate obstacle in the way, but they continue to persevere. And in that perseverance, they see God move in their life. You see God move in their life and in their world. And God wants to do the same thing in our world. He wants to do the same thing in our story. That yes, in the midst of chaos of the pandemic, it does not dictate what God can do and it does not limit how great your God is. You got to stay committed. Here's the second thing that I think is important for us to realize is that we've got to stay patient. Not only stay committed to what we are called to do, but in the midst of confusion and uncertainty, we've got to stay committed or stay patient until God reveals what's next. I love what happens in this text. And, you know, the Lord knows what we can all handle and what we can bear because, honestly, I couldn't have been in this text. Let me tell you, the first mistake is they were going to the grave. The second mistake is that when the stone was rolled away, they decided to go in the grave. If it was me, as soon as I saw the stone rolled away, that would have been my indication I need to go the other way. I'm not supposed to be here. Obviously, they got this thing handled, and I don't need to be here. You know, these women are like... You know those people in the scary movies who they hear a knocking and say, well, let's go investigate this. That's not me. If that is going on, that means I need to go the opposite direction. I can watch the news and hear the explanation later on. I don't need to know in advance. I'm the guy who's in the airport and I see a bunch of people running and I just tie my shoes and start running too. I can figure out why we ran a little bit later, but I don't need to know the evidence beforehand. But these women, they get to the tomb, they see the stone rolled away, they go inside and start looking around and say, well, where is Jesus? They are perplexed and confused in the moment. But here's the good news, is they are willing to wait in the midst of confusion and uncertainty until God makes things clear. And sometimes our impatience saps us of our hope. Here's the reality. 
Time spent, waste, uh, time spent waiting on God is never time wasted. Time spent waiting patiently on God is never time wasted. These women didn't try to manufacture a new thing to do. They didn't try to run the opposite way and just try to figure something out. In the midst of their perplexity, in the midst of their confusion, in the midst of their uncertainty, they were willing to wait until God brought some clarity. My brothers and sisters, I want to challenge you to be willing to wait on God to bring clarity. To be patient enough to see that God has a purpose in the plan, a plan in the midst of what you are dealing with and what you are facing. Here's the truth of the matter. Don't let the confusion of this season cause you to miss the opportunity of this season. Don't let the uncertainty of this moment cause you to miss the destiny of this moment. That in the midst of this chaos, God has a way of speaking clearly and allowing you to see things that you've never seen before. Isaiah 6 and 1 says it like this. It was in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Sometimes in the midst of the waves, that is the moment in time that God speaks his clearest. And they were patient enough to wait on the Lord. Yes, they were puzzled. Yes, they were uncertain. Yes, they were confused. But they were willing to wait to see that clarity. And while they were waiting, Scripture doesn't tell us how long they were waiting. While they were waiting, God said an answer with two angels. They had an experience that they never thought could happen. And I want to encourage you to stay patient and even pray to the Lord for patience. I know that's a difficult prayer because if you do like I did and pray for patience, God might send you my son and y'all, okay? Patience. But the patience will help us in our pursuit of keeping the hope alive. The patience will help us because it will develop joy in us. Look, look at what it says in Colossians 1 and 11. Paul says this, we also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. And then he says, may you be filled with joy. That when I recognize that my God is in control, it develops a level of patience in me and it produces a certain level of joy in me and it allows me to keep hope alive. We are called to be people of hope, bearers of this truth. And these women in the midst of this stayed committed and stayed patient. I want to tell you, if we are going to really keep hope alive, we've got to do two more things. Here's the third thing is that we've got to scrutinize our doubts. And I want to park here for a minute because this is so good. What happens in this text, I need you to realize that these women never expected for Jesus to be alive. In their commitment to him, 
in their patience waiting on him, they never anticipated that Jesus could be alive. You see, the realities of their circumstances caused them to adjust their expectations, which limited their experience. Let me say that again for you. The reality of their situation caused them to adjust, and when I say adjust, lower their expectations, which ended up limiting their experience. And I wonder how many people in this room, how many people watching online, because of the difficulty of this year, have lowered your expectations. I wonder how many of you have allowed doubt to creep in because what it looks like seems too difficult. It seems too challenging. It seems like it can't work out. I love what these angels do um, when speaking to these women. They said, they said this, why are you looking for the living among the dead? They immediately confront their doubts. And here's the truth is that when we confront our doubts, we make room to be reminded of God's promises. When we confront the doubts in our world, it, it, it's too late. You ain't never going to get married. It, it's too late. You ain't never going to have that opportunity. It, it's too late. This year is a throwaway. You're going to stay stuck in debt. You're going to stay in that difficulty. Your marriage is never getting better. Your house is never getting better. Your, your job, you're going to stay stuck in that same place. You, you begin to believe the lies of the enemy. And this is what the angel said to her. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here he is risen like he said he would there's some of you that need to re-examine your doubt to scrutinize your doubts versus the truth of God's word because what he says is bigger than your problem what he said is bigger than your issue what he said is bigger than your fears your doubts your difficulties your change what God says is greater and my doubts my fears must be bow at the truth of God's word. It's got to bow because God is greater than that. God is bigger than that. And this is what he is saying. The angels is saying to the women, you in the wrong location. He is risen. I know you came here to see a dead person. And here's the good news that even when you have your doubts, God will still blow your mind that he will do exceedingly abundantly above all. You could ask or think according to his power that worketh on the inside of us. They came to see a dead man, but they came and were announced that they serve a risen Savior. They came to anoint his body, but his body was risen. And where you are in the midst of your dilemma, in the midst of your circumstance, you serve a God who raised things from the dead. And whatever you are facing, he slays giants, he moves mountains, and your doubts have to bow to the truth of God's word. Here's the truth. 
If you continue to consume things that are negative, you will never hear the truth of God's word. If you continue to to, uh, let other things speak into your spirit, you will never hear the truth of God's word. But if you want to be empowered, if you want your hope to arise, you got to begin to speak the truth of this word. Every now and then, you've got to do like David and encourage yourself in the Lord. You've got to say, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear the Lord is the strength of my life of whom shall I be afraid when the wicked even my enemies and my foes came to eat up my flesh they stumbled and failed the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want that goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil for thou art with me every time you speak his word your hope meter begins to rise every time you declare his word your hope begins to soar and each time the truth of God's word confronts your doubts your doubts are pushed away and you can receive the truth of God's word you got to scrutinize your doubts you got to dismiss them and here's the barometer if it doesn't align with what God said that's a lie Ah, hallelujah. There's some of you carrying guilt and shame, and God declares that you are forgiven. There's some of you wrestling with disappointment, and God says, I am still the one who does new things, and I can restore, I can heal, and don't allow the doubts to trap you where I have made a way of escape for you. If you will surrender to me, I can make all things new. I can make all things new. I don't know who that word is for, but the Lord declares over you today that he wants to make things new, that you need to dismiss your doubts. You need to eradicate them from the equation. And here's the fourth and final thing, that if we're going to keep hope alive, yeah, we got to stay committed. Yeah, we got to stay patient. Yeah, we got to scrutinize our doubts. But at the end of the day, we've got to share the good news. Do you know that God has called us to be salt and light in a dark world? That we have the opportunity to share the good news. Notice what happens when your hope is restored. When your hope is lifted. When your hope is elevated. These women don't bottle it up and keep it to themselves. They race to share the good news. Because here's the thing. Hope is contagious. Has a way of changing people's circumstances. Scripture says they race to tell the disciples And everyone else, these same disciples that had walked away from Jesus, that were scattered, when they hear the good news, Peter and John race to the tomb to have their hope lifted and elevated again as well. Can I tell you, what God is doing in your life is meant to be shared to spark hope in somebody else's life. What God is doing in your world is meant to be shared so that other people can find this same hope in Jesus. That they can find the same hope. 
that you have found. And if we are going to be people that change the world, we have to be willing to share this good news, this gospel, that Jesus Christ lives and he saves and he can change your world. You know, Hebrews chapter 12 talks about this great cloud of witnesses, these people who testify of the goodness and grace of Jesus, who testify of the goodness and grace of the Lord. And what these testimonies do is they build our faith. I can imagine Abraham coming to the stage and saying, y'all, I was 99 years old. I was waiting on a promise from the Lord, waiting for this son that he had promised. And I begin to doubt and I begin to be discouraged. But God came when I was 99 and said, this time next year, you would have a son. And that same time next year, I was holding my son Isaac. My hope was restored. Now I see Moses pushing Abraham out of the way and said, wait a minute, let me tell you my story. I was a convicted murderer. And for 40 years, I wandered in the wilderness and I thought my life was over. But in the midst of that, God still called me and used me to set the children of Israel free and he restored my hope. Joseph said, Moses, wait a minute, don't skip over me because I was somebody who was discouraged. I was thrown into a pit, and then I was sold into slavery, and then I was lied on, mistreated, and put into prison and forgotten about. But one day my God remembered me and took me from the prison and put me in the palace, and my hope was restored. And your story of breakthrough, of deliverance, has a way of restoring hope in others. I want to tell you this story of uh, this man named Patrick. Patrick was a man who was at the top of his field. He was a police officer and he had everything you can imagine. He had leadership and opportunity. He was on the top of the world. But life circumstances happened in Patrick's world. And he became addicted to alcohol. And alcohol stripped him of everything. He lost his marriage. He lost his children. He lost his family. He lost his job. And he lost all hope. He got to the point where in a hotel room, he took his belt and tried to kill himself. By the grace of God, the belt broke. And he got up from that floor and he said, okay, I'm going to try rehab one more time. He had been multiple times and it never worked. He said, I'm going to try one more time. And if this doesn't work, I'm just going to lock myself in a room and drink myself to death. So he gets to the rehab and he is bunking with this guy named Leroy. And Leroy says to him, well, Patrick, how you doing? Patrick says, I'm fine. Leroy says, Patrick, do you believe in God? Patrick said, I'm, I'm not sure. Leroy said, well, do you pray? And Patrick said, no, I don't pray. I don't do that. Leroy said to Patrick, the only way you're going to make it is if you're willing to pray. 
And he says, I know this sounds a little crazy, Patrick, but since you're not sure about believing in God, would you pray to my God then? And here's what I want you to do, Patrick. In the morning, I want you to say this prayer. Leroy's God, will you keep me sober and change my life? And at the end of the day, I want you to kneel down again and say, Leroy's God, thank you for keeping me sober and changing my life. For some reason, Patrick said, although it seemed foolish, it sounded like sense to me. And I said, okay, I'll do it. And Patrick began to pray those prayers every morning and every night. Leroy ended up getting discharged from the rehab and about five or six years later, Patrick sees Leroy across the street and he runs to him and says, Leroy, Leroy, I got to tell you, my life has been changed. I'm not the same person that you saw before. I know I used to be addicted to alcohol, but now I'm free and I've been sober for five years. I know I used to struggle with these things, but now I've been freed. Not only that, Leroy, but I've got my marriage back. I've got my children back. I've got my job back. And in fact, I am helping other people who struggled with the same thing I struggled with to get out and find freedom. And those two men begin to celebrate and be excited in that moment. And as they were leaving, Patrick turns around and says, Leroy, by the way, I'm still praying, but I'm no longer praying to Leroy's God because Leroy's God has become my God and he has turned my life around and my hope has been restored. Can I tell you? This is what God wants to do with your story. You may think it's insignificant, but your story has the power to spark hope in somebody else's life. And people are watching you. David understood this in Psalm 71. He says it like this, my life is an example to many because you have been my strength and protection. That is why I never stop praising you. I declare your glory all the day long. And folks, I imagine a day where hope begins to arise in God's people. I imagine a day that we are carriers of this hope so much so that hope begins to penetrate the darkest places, that hope begins to permeate the atmospheres, that we realize that this hope has a name and this name is Jesus, that hope would begin to transform our schools, that hope would begin to transform our neighborhoods, and that the grace of God would cover our city to the point that negativity would be crowded out, destruction and darkness would be crowded out, and as Jesus is lifted up, all men would be drawn unto him. I believe for a day of revival where people are coming to the hope that is found in Jesus. I want to challenge you to share that hope, to declare that hope louder than anything else you ever say. That this hope in Jesus is bigger than anything else we are facing. Anything else that would distract us from what God is doing. There is hope found in Jesus. Maybe you're sitting here today 
Maybe you're watching online and you have never experienced that hope in Jesus. I want to tell you today can be your day that you find this hope. I know there are some of you under the sound of my voice who are struggling. You're trying to find reason. You're trying to find purpose and meaning and you're trying to find hope. Today is the day that you are going to be reinvigorated, inspired. Today is the day that God is going to spark that hope again. I want to pray with you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for this day. You have declared your words to your people. That you are the God of the living and not the dead. You are a God that raises us back to life. You are a God that empowers us, that brings us hope again. God, I pray that you would inspire us to stay committed to what you've called us to. That you would give us the patience to wait on you. That you would allow us to challenge our doubts and believe your truth over the lies of the enemy. But ultimately, God, let us carry your hope and share this good news. God, for the person who has never said yes to you, for the person who has walked away from you, I pray today will be the day that they say yes. Today will be the day that their life changes. And if that's you, I want you to pray this simple prayer with me. Lord Jesus, save me. Change me. Make me into the person that you want me to be. I give my life to you. And God, right now, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice that hope would arise. Lord, let you arise and let your enemies be scattered. Lord Jesus, we pray for revival in our lands. We pray for your presence in our world. Lord, even now we push back fear. We push back anxiety. We push back disappointment. We push back doubt. And your hope and faith in you will arise in your children. That we will see that you are still working. That our best days are ahead of us, not behind us. That you still are working goodness in the land of the living. And we believe your word. We receive your word, God. And we stand on it. We thank you for it. And we give you the glory and honor honor and praise in Jesus name we pray and everybody say amen amen and amen thanks for listening if you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church please go to stevenscreekchurch.com and click the give button see you next time